With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Even before his historic semifinalist run on the world's largest talent competition, NBC America's Got Talent, he was already one of the most prolifically funny comedians in the country. A familiar face in the late night talk show circuit, countless broadcast and cable comedy programs, his own original comedy specials. I am thrilled to welcome to my show, Tom Cotter. And it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. So you really do have an amazing voice. Oh, thank you. Amazing. All right, so I had your lovely wife, Carrie Louise, on my show. My lovely and talented wife, Carrie Louise. Yes, you're right. Yes, and we could have, I think we could have done like a hundred shows together. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's never at a loss for words. I will say that about her. No, and it seemed like we kind of knew each other. It was like weird. It was like... I feel like we met before. I've known you for a long time. Perhaps in a previous life. We don't know. It might have been. How are the boys? The boys are well. Thank you for asking. All happy and healthy, and that's all we care about. Okay. So take us back. How did you and Carrie first meet? Uh, We were uh, performing at comedy clubs in Boston. We both started in Boston, and uh, I ran into her a few times and always uh, gravitated towards her. I found her very attractive, and then she uh, was liked by one of my roommates, so I knew that she was forbidden fruit and I couldn't go near her. Uh, But then she and I got booked at a gig up in New Hampshire at a ski resort, and we, you know, whatever, uh, hormones kicked in, and we found each other kind of attractive and she had promised herself that she wouldn't date another comedian and I had promised myself I wouldn't date another comedy club uh, either a waitress or a manager or a comedian or anybody in the field and we threw all that out the window and I called my friend who was my roommate and I said dude I need to know if I have the green light and he said yeah she's never going to go with me so uh, he gave me the okay and here we are now years together amazing yeah. And what a good guy you are that you even asked your friend. Well, uh, you know, it, it's a guy code thing. And, I, you know, plus I was living with him. He could have stabbed me at night or something. <laughs> okay, so. so that makes a difference. You were living yeah. with him. It wasn't like he was just a guy you knew. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, I, you grew up in the Boston. What's funny is you, I know you grew up in the Boston comic scene. Um, we just got back from Boston. Great, oh, nice. great city. Love the city. Love the people. I know that uh, hurts a lot of the Yankee fans that are listening and everything, but I that's where I, I came from. So I'm still a Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics, and Patriots fan, yet I'm living in New York for 20 years, so I feel like a Palestinian living in an Israeli village. It's just <laughs> the way it is. I said to my son, I said, really? You're a Yankees fan, a diehard Yankees fan, and you want to go see you want to go see BU. But we went, and you know what? What, what everyone says about it, it's really an unbelievable place. If you it's have- a college town. They say it's all bars, hospitals, and colleges. That's all Boston is, and there's a million schools up there. If you're looking at BU, you're in a good place because that's a great school, very hard to get into. And I would say 50% of the student body are probably uh, Yankee fans at Boston University. Okay, I'm just going to give a big shout-out because we did go to Dick's. So oh, yeah. If you're, that's if, funny. You know, anyone that's in Boston knows that you kind of have to go there, right? Dick's Last Resort, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah yes. great place. And it is the last resort. 
It is. Yeah, you never leave there sober. I will say that. <laughs> well, we had kids with us, but anyway, um, that was amazing. So if you're in Boston, you have to go to that. It was it was pretty amazing. But what a great, great, great place. You know, we have a great rivalry between these two cities, but I think there's also a, a huge uh, amount of respect and admiration for each other. I remember being down here after 9/11, and all the Boston, uh, you know, firemen and cops and everybody that came down here. And the same is true when we had the marathon tragedy up in Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, New York was, uh, you know, right there and had our back right after that. So I, you know, I think it's a healthy rivalry, but I think there's mutual respect between the two cities. Oh yeah, I haven't been. I- I haven't been there in a long time, so I was happy to go back. And everywhere you see Boston strong, and everyone was super nice and wonderful. So anyway, okay, about that. So, um, so yeah, if you go to if you go to Boston, you have to go visit Dick's, and it's a great place to be. What was it like? What was your favorite experience there? Well, just coming out of that comedy scene was an amazing uh, event. You know, you have to be in New York or LA. So obviously, I, I eventually ended up down here in New York, but. Back when I started, you know, before me in Boston was Jay Leno, Stephen Wright, mm-hmm. Dennis Leary, uh, on and on, uh, you know, so many people. And then afterwards, my class had Mark Marin, it had uh, like Louis C.K., and then shortly thereafter, Billy Burr came out, uh, Dane Cook, um, you know, so a lot of huge names came out in the comedy world came out of Boston. It was just a great proving ground. There were so many uh, comedy clubs and so much stage time, and I met the love of my life up there, too. So, uh, it, you know, that that's probably the, the greatest memory I have is Carrie and I getting together up there. Aww. Okay, so the youngest of six in your family. Yes. And when you when did you realize that, like, oh, I could maybe do this for a living, or, oh, I like comedy, or, oh, maybe I'm going to venture into this, and how did that all come about? I still don't know if I can do it for a living, but I'm kidding. No, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of six. When you're the youngest of six in an Irish Catholic family, you need to stand out some way because you're an afterthought. And I clearly was a mistake. And so I uh, did whatever I could to get attention. So I was just a ham, the class clown, all those things. True story. True story. story. Oh, yeah. About me being a mistake? No, about it. Oh, yeah. I really am the youngest of six and uh, because my parents were Catholic and they had the rhythm method. So, you know, that's why we were very uh, prolific breeders. And so, uh, you know, I just got out of college and I said to my dad, I, I'm going to go to law school one day and I'll take the LSATs. Just give me a little time to get this comedy thing out of my system. And some kids go to Europe and backpack for a year. Some kids intern somewhere. I said I wanted to try stand-up and I never got it out of my system. And here we are. I've been at almost 30 years, and it's been very good to me and my family, and it's a great way to make a living. Amazing. So that was it. So when did you know that, like, I have this, like, I got this, like, I could do this? You know, I I won a few comedy competitions, uh, and those were not easy to win because I was up against some pretty uh, pretty funny people. So I think then I knew that I was I, I had some legs in this business. I just didn't know how much. And then when I did the Tonight Show, I did the Tonight Show. Um, in 2001, same year I got married, and I will tell everybody that uh, my marriage was the second most important thing that happened that year because it's the Tonight Show, you know. So uh, those things 
kind of add up uh, and and made me feel like, well, you know, I I, I got to move to New York. I got to give this thing a serious shot, and it's uh, it's been very good to us so yeah. far. And America's Got Talent took it to a whole new level, and that's where we are now. Yeah. So season seven, America's Got Talent, second place. Um, groundbreaking is you're the first comedian ever to reach the finals. So did but did people still ask you all the time and tease you? So you lost to a dog. Uh, Wendy, I was the top human finisher that That's year. Right. I like to tell people. <laughs> right. uh, yes, I, uh, you know, I make fun of myself. I mean, it's hysterical. I came in second to a dog act. Uh, and, you know, I never, honest to God, I never thought I'd make it out of the quarterfinals because a comic had never made it that far. And I credit the judges. I had Howard Stern, Howie Mendel, and Sharon Osbourne Wouldn't as my have been judges. easy, right? That's, well, those three are the best judges panel. Now, you've got Heidi Klum, who, yeah. God bless her, I don't know if it's the German thing or the blonde thing or whatever, but she just doesn't get comedy. I'm sorry. I, I'll tell it to her face. I've met her a few times, but she just, for whatever reason, doesn't like the comedians. And uh, I don't think Mel B and Simon, because they're British, they just don't get American humor the way that um, that Howard, Howie, and Sharon did. And I know Sharon's British, but she's very Americanized. And so, really, Howie Mandel is the only ally a comic has on that judges panel now. And so, I feel bad for the guys who are on it now. But I was I was very lucky to get on that season. And and I never thought I'd make it out of the quarterfinals. So everything above that was gravy. And the fact that I was standing there at the end and it was between the dog act and me was surreal. It really, I had no idea. I just kept thinking to myself, uh, you know, if you win, don't look like an idiot. And if you lose, lose with some grace. Uh, and that's, and then, of course, they go to commercial at 10 times. Oh, so you're standing God, there forever. Right. Yeah. But uh, it was it was an amazing thing. And just having that many eyeballs on you, Wendy, is oh, unbelievable. Because yeah. we all do Leno and Letterman and those things and, and Fallon and, and Colbert and all those shows that's what we do and I've done so many of those but those are a fraction of the audience you get when you do primetime network television and that show is, it's unfair it's up against reruns so the ratings are gigantic and I just got very lucky Oh, my God. And to, and to be in front of those people. I mean, I, Howie Mandel, I've had him on before. He's amazing. He's great. Howard on Stern. camera and off camera. And I mean, Howard couldn't have been nicer to me. He, he is a really nice guy. Yeah, his radio persona is his radio persona, yes. but I will tell you that he is, you know, he's a very down-to-earth, very nice guy, and he was really, really nice to me, although I'm very short, and he's freakishly tall, so when I stood next to him, I really <laughs> felt very awkward, but uh, he's, he's, he's great. I had him on, when I worked for Phil Donahue, and he had just written his book, and he was on, I mean, we had NBC, the audience was like wrapped around the place, and boy, he is he tall, and boy, is he humble. Oh, yeah, he is. He absolutely is. But he's like 6'5 before the afro, and then the afro puts him up at around 7 feet. Plus, he's really skinny, which makes the appearance look even taller, and I make cookies in a hollow tree. So I just had no business being next to him. For, we were on the red carpet, and I was like, really? Do I have to stand here that much longer? Every flashbulb was humiliating. But anyway, he's a nice guy. But how, Very nice guy. And, and like you said, when you're sitting there waiting for them to give you, like, who's the winner – us watching at home, we think we're dying when they go to commercial break. You guys must be out of your minds. Oh, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And then when they, they go to commercial, the live audience is still there, and they're all jacked up. They're, you know, they've been watching the whole season, so they're very engaged, and they're just screaming things at you. You know, they're, they're, you know it's like positive heckling, and you don't know what to do. You, don't, you can't really yell back, and it's just it's very weird. And I, uh, I, I was blown away. That whole season, I was so nerve-wracked that I lost 15 pounds. I had acne. I'm a middle-aged guy. I had acne. No. So, yeah, it was that, it was that, 
that's stressful because you know our lowest audience I think was 20 million people and uh, and that was and then we had it aired and then they'd have a rerun and then uh, now it, I think it's even now it's playing in some foreign country now so it's just crazy how and people are rabid about that show they love that they show they really do they really do so it's totally different than when you're performing at like um, Caroline's or the improv or something that's totally a different thing it's still stressful, but not to that level. That I mean, God, we, we already knew going into it that we were going to be. It was the highest rated uh, season because, and I credit Howard Stern with that because he brought all his fans along. Uh, and then we were on the same uh, summer as the Olympics and the Olympics Summer Olympics. They did a lot of cross promotion, so their audience was just crazy huge. And you couldn't, I couldn't walk down the street in Rockland County where I live. I couldn't walk down the street without people being so tuned in. Again, because there's nothing else on TV. It's all reruns during the summer. So uh, it was just uh, really a gift from God to us because I had been flying below the radar for a while and making a living doing comedy, but no one knew who I was. So it was just such a blessing for Carrie and I and and the boys because we have three college tuitions on the horizon (laughs) for that to happen when it did. Yes. So how do you prepare for something like that? It must be like, how did you decide what you were going to do? Uh, you know, I've been at it for almost 30 years, so uh, it would be pathetic if I didn't have some semblance of what to do. They only give you 90 seconds, so you really have to cram a lot of punchlines into a short amount of time. So every season, up until season seven, everybody told me to do the show because my my style of comedy is a lot of rapid fire one-liner kind of things it's very it's gatling gun kind of um whereas a lot of comics are storytellers they take a long pregnant pause i can't do that i'm add so i'm into the next joke before you get the last one and so everyone said managers comedy club owners bookers agents everybody was like why are you not doing the show and i wouldn't do the show because uh Pierce Morgan was in the seat that Howard Stern eventually sat in, and he hated American comics, and he would eviscerate them on the air. And I said, I'm not going to go on a show and have this guy set my career back. I'd rather go on a show that's going to advance my career. And so when Howard got in that seat, I got a call from the Friars Club, and they said, uh, you know, they're looking for comedians. Will you go down and audition? And I said, all right, I'll go. And the rest is history. So it was a a nice run right up until I lost to a dog act in front of 40 million viewers. (laughs) But it was a ground breaking for you i mean the first comedian ever to reach the final so that was a pretty big deal i'd say it was and you're being very kind but let's not lose sight of the fact that i lost to non-humans on that show if you just tune in, i'm talking to tom cotter i was in tampa last weekend at side splitters i'm all over the country doing this and i really love doing levity live uh, because it's a well-run club because i left the palisades mall uh and because i can walk next door and get chipotle which is nice but also because i get to sleep in my own bed i'm Eight, and literally, it's an eight-minute commute for me. So yeah. there's no plane, there's no hotel. It's it's just great. It's great, and you can go to Target. You can get anything you want. Yeah. You can see Tom Carr, and then you can leave and go to Target. Or you can. I mean, it is. I I always enjoy the shows there. It's such a nice atmosphere, um, and it's always a great time. They definitely know what they they're doing. They've uh, been doing this for a long time, and they're affiliated with Gotham Comedy Club in Manhattan, which is arguably the you know one of the best clubs in the country. So they really know what they're doing, and they've got it down. They're black belts at what they do. So you're. So where do you come up with all your material? I mean, I know you've done it for a long time but is it everyday life is it a lot of family is it your kids your wife everything it's it's all of the above they they say you write what you know and right now i know that i'm a father of three boys so they are my muse that's going to give you enough material 
Yeah, and plus I'm married to a comedian, so there's, there's plenty of humorous stuff that goes on in my life. And then above and beyond that, you know, every comic talks about traveling, and this year God gave us a little gift called uh, the Trump administration, you know, which is something to talk about. So, uh, it, yeah, and I don't, I'm not, and I will tell your listeners that I'm not a, a political guy, and I don't bash people over the head with my politics. Bill Maher on the left or Dennis Miller on the right, I'm right down the middle, and I'm just trying to amuse people, and I'm not taking a side, and uh, so, but you have to talk about it. It's the it's big over, elephant in the room. Everyone's talking, but that's right. Yeah. Everyone's so, talking about it. So that's a little chunk of my act now, and, uh, and uh, you know, we talk about sports, we talk about everyday life, we talk about raising kids, about being a kid when I was a kid, and my memories of that, and uh, everything. And so every day, I used to walk around with a notebook and write things down, and then over time I've gotten a little more tech savvy, so now I just dictate into the iPhone, and uh, every day I do that several times a day, and eventually one of those little things will become the acorn that will become the mighty oak tree of a comedy bit. So you just keep writing and writing and writing, and eventually something sticks. Speaking of writing, you have a book, Dad, Dad. Yes. So how did, Dad. how did that come about? Well, my dad was a great role model for me, and now that I'm a dad, I, I, you know, the things that I used to mock him for saying, I find myself saying, and the things that uh, make me laugh the hardest are the things involving, you know, my my sons. So I thought I need to share all this, and so for a long time I've compiled this, and it's uh, it's a book not for devout Muslims or born again Christians. If you're a religious person, this is not a good book for you, but. If you like to laugh, it's a great book, and it's on Amazon. And Carrie, my wife, Carrie Louise, has a book called Mean Mommy, That's and we both published them the same year. And uh, so our kids will definitely be in counseling and therapy. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, the book sales will help pay for that, and no, we'll a, move on. It's a great, great book. It's a great book for a gift too to give to people. You're very um, kind. I mean, no, it's it's a quick, it's a very quick read. So it is. you know, if, if you're a fan or if you're not a fan of Tom Carter, you got to get the book called Bad Dad. It's a real, it's a really great book and the the cover of it is is quite funny actually you can bang it out in two trips to the bathroom that's right maybe one maybe Maybe that long (laughs) okay so um now your voice is also a staple on the commercial on the commercial voiceover circuit it what that's what paid my bills for a long long time cool is that though that was very cool for some reason that they dubbed me the voice of Gen X years and years ago when I first moved to New York in 96, and I was uh, just very lucky. It's a, it's a weird business. Uh, now, you know, you audition against 2,000 people because everyone can walk into their walk-in closet with a laptop and audition against you. Isn't but when I moved to New York, oh yeah, but when I did move down, you had to go into a studio, and so you had to have a good agency, and I had a great agency, and I had a great agent, and they were really good to me, and so I was, every single day, I was, uh, you know, auditioning or booking a spot, and that is in large part why we will not be living in a van down by the river when I retire. So. <laughs> I mean, NBC, Pepsi, McDonald's, Converse, there were so many. Um, so, it's gr- uh, great. Your, your voice is amazing. I can totally understand why. So, it, it, when you, with the fir- very first time when you got on stage, yeah. did, were you, like, what was that like? Terrifying. Uh, I had gone to a comedy club in Providence, Rhode Island called Periwinkles. Okay, and I, I, every Wednesday they had a uh, open mic night. And I knew I wanted to do it, but I just didn't have the guts. So I would go and sit in the back of this comedy club, and I would pay, you know, $5, whatever it was, to get in, and my two-drink minimum. And by the fourth week of doing this, 
guy who was the permanent host came up to me and said, you've come in here four weeks in a row, you sit by yourself, clearly you want to try this, because no one's a fan of open mic. (laughs) He said, uh, next week I'm telling the bouncers they won't let you in unless you... Tell you you guarantee us that you will get up on stage and try it, and that was the fire I needed set underneath me. And sure enough, I went up the next week and uh, I told maybe ten jokes. Two of them worked. Eight of them crashed and burned. No. But uh, yeah, but it was uh, it was you know just breaking the ice. I had a big issue with public speaking back then. I was very I nervous can't about even it. Imagine. Oh, uh, it really was. And so uh, getting over that hurdle was huge for me. And so to this day, I'm forever indebted to Charlie Hall, who was the MC that made me go up on stage at that time and he did the um, all the artwork in my book and whenever I can throw him a bone uh, in the comedy world I do whenever I can help him out or have him work with me or something because that meant a lot to me that he um, saw me and knew that I wanted to try this and uh, made me do it so okay. that was it and you don't forget you don't forget, no, you no, don't I forget don't. the people and I hate the guys that do. I hate the guys that left Boston and said, oh, yeah, we're going to drag you along with us. You're going to become a big star and then forget about everybody that they left behind. Uh, to his credit, Dennis Leary has gone on to do wonderful things on TV and film, and he's always tried to help out the guys he started with. And a lot of guys are like that. And so I, I hold those people in high regard. It's the ones that make those promises and don't come through that we, we don't really like. That's right. So what do your kids think about this? I mean, mom, dad, both comedians. Like, I can't even, I'd like to spend, I told your wife this too, I'd like to spend a day at your house. A weekend at your house. We uh, we can make that happen. We can arrange that. Uh, we'll just lift the restraining order, and you can come right over. No, we uh, the kids until America's Got Talent, they thought that I was the equivalent of a rodeo clown. I mean, they really they had no idea what I did. They didn't know what stand up comedy was. They they just knew that I allegedly made people laugh, and the same with mommy. So uh, America's Got Talent was great in that regard as well because they were at an age where uh, they kind of got what was going on and they were on camera a lot they did a lot of background on me and on the show and so they they liked our family unit and everything so the kids got to be on tv and they uh the show ends in september so they were right back at school and so all their friends got to see them on tv and got to follow along and they all got involved in it so it was very that was groundbreaking for us uh, as a family it was pretty cool and then since then they've come with us on gigs carrie's taken them on some pretty cool gigs and i've taken them on some pretty cool gigs and so they they like it. I mean, they know that they have friends that make a lot more money than we do. Um, that you know, one of their best friends is a hedge fund guy. So they know that we could be doing something that would make more money and give them more toys. But they're okay with uh, the fact that we're in the arts and we're swinging away and and they're being fed and clothed adequately. Well, that's that's pretty cool. So they must think mom and dad rock. And your house must be really funny. Generally, it's pretty funny. We have a lot of, you know, of course, uh, you know, we're like every other family. We have issues, but uh, for the most part, we diffuse a lot of our conflict with humor, and we just have to know when to pump the brakes on the sarcasm. You know? okay. uh, but it's great. We, uh, 
I'm really lucky. I, I have three happy, healthy kids. They're, for some reason, doing pretty well in school, and they're decent athletes, and they're respectful, and they're polite, and, the, you know, the twins just got confirmed. So we're doing something right. I don't know what it is, and I credit Carrie with most of it because I'm on the road more often than she is. But, uh, yeah, and they have a great family unit around them. Our parents and uh, our aunts and uncles and everybody else, their cousins, everybody's really uh, great and, and supportive and, and uh, there for us when we need them and vice versa. So do you think any of the boys would want to go into comedy? Have they said anything? Uh, our youngest, my namesake, uh, Tommy Jr. is a little bit of a ham, but we find that the youngest in the family are often the ham. Carrie's the youngest in her family. I'm the youngest in my family. I can't tell you how many comics I know that are in the youngest in their families. So uh, that's my hypothesis that the youngest needs attention. And so uh, he gets it. <laughs> Sometimes it's not good attention, but he gets it. And so, uh, you know, I, who knows? He's the one that shows the most uh, aptitude for it, perhaps. Uh, the twins are a little more serious about things and their studies and what they want to be and um, we will support them in any way they want to go it's it's not an easy road to hoe I will tell you and so I would love for them to find something they love and stick with that but as a parent I understand why my parents were concerned because I mean I had to scratch and claw for a good decade before I got a, a foothold in this business so well, it's, it's yeah, not easy it's, not, it's definitely not easy to do what you do and, and look at, look at what you've done I mean Every, pretty much everything. Well, so far it's been very good and I've been very blessed and lucky and Carrie as well. Carrie's hysterical and people, if they don't remember your last interview with them, should look her up. Uh, it's Carrie Louise and she has a web series, uh, a weblog, I guess you call it. It's My Mommy Minute and it's very funny and the kids are in it almost every month and she does one a month and they're very funny and uh, we're just, we're, we're very lucky. I, I have a friend who's got a kid who's going through some health issues right now and I just, you know, I come home and I hug my kids and I say, thank God that Absolutely. we're all happy and healthy right now. So That's right. That's what we have to do every day. Be Just the health. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. That's true. And laughter is the best medicine. That's right. And that's Although medical you... marijuana here is pretty good, too. <laughs> but right. laughter is good. And do you know the other big news? Which is? The big news is that you and your lovely wife are going to be co-hosts for me for my anniversary show in January. I'm thrilled. So you're Excellent. Gonna be live on my show. Um, Perfect. So we're going to be spending the hour together so we can talk about everything else. Um, and I can't wait to have you guys. We're thrilled. That's great. That's know. great. You know, Carrie is beautiful. I have a great face for radio, but she's great. <laughs> she uh, is beautiful. In front of a camera and in front of a microphone. So it'll be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, I'm so happy I finally got to meet you. Wendy, the pleasure is mine, and I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And don't forget your your book, Bad Dad. Tom, and look forward to seeing you again in January. I'm honored to share the airwaves with you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Tom. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.